Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. It is Thursday, August 1st. We are in August, which means it is preseason football time. Episode 113, joined with me as always by Zach Henson. Zach, how are you doing? Doing well. What's up? How much, man? Have you been watching the uh, the Hall of Fame game? You know, I'm not going to lie. I have not. And I was looking at the notes for the show mm-hmm. and it reminded me it was on. And I flipped over and checked it out. We're in the third quarter right now. So, yeah. Yeah, you're not missing much. It is uh, So the Hall of Fame game, the opening game of the NFL season. It's actually, I mean, it's the first football game since the Super Bowl. I mean, technically the AAF, if you want to count that. But this is just awful football. Like I just watched a pass from uh, I don't even know who, what, who this quarterback is. It's like the third string quarterback from the Falcons. Just airmailed it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's the worst football to watch, but it's also football. So it's it's all we've been craving. Yeah, it's always weird to see football on TV after you know the off season. So just a a, a reminder that the season is very close. What's never weird to see, though, like I, I could probably I could be in a coma for 10 years. And when I come out of the coma, if I see on the television, I see Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels sitting next to each other. It's like no time has passed. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a sight. You never the, that sound of their voices and seeing them doesn't get out of your head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the game's on right now. This is uh, Broncos and Falcons. Falcons are leading 10-7 if anyone cares, because we were recording uh, live right here on Thursday night. Uh, August 1st. So, Zach, we're finally into August. We've had our pre-draft meeting. Uh, we are less than a month away from our draft. You getting pretty excited? I am. Uh, met with Suggs today, and we kind of we're looking at where we're going to host the draft, if it's going to be in the gym or move it back to team side. So that's uh, up to Suggs, and I'm sure he'll have an announcement soon. Either way, though, definitely a college side? Definitely a college side, yeah. All right, right on. Um, so without wasting any time, I mean, we'll talk about our, our league a little later, but let's talk about some NFL news and take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. We mentioned the Pro Football Hall of Fame game uh, tonight going on right now, uh, Falcons versus Broncos. It's like it's one of those things where people get really excited for about five minutes and then you give up interest, and that's kind of what I did. But uh, this is the first game technically – that uh, Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, who was uh, previously the the Bears defensive coordinator, um, he was. Uh, this is his first game to coach as, as a head coach, and uh, tonight he became the first NFL head coach to challenge a pass interference call, the new rule for this season. And I had forgotten about that rule being passed until people made a big deal about it being the first time uh, tonight. And so, you know it kind of brought up some bad feelings because I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to be the worst. How many games on red zone are going to be paused, you know, due to uh, the game just stopping? How much longer is this going to make the game? Have you thought about it much, Zach, about the new defensive pass interference rule? Yeah, I've heard him talk about it on uh, some sports talk. So I think it it, uh, may be unwelcomed once the season starts. Well, this is a trial run, so this it's for one season only. If it doesn't work, they'll scrap it. But man, it's like I mean, it's just like in our league. If we have if we have a new feature, like if we had a rule passed and people hated it, we could vote for it to be voted out. Uh, but this is man, it's gonna be a long season, and the only way to find out is week one how you know 
abusive people can make this uh, this new rule and the challenge flag. So tonight was our first taste of that. Yep. But Vic Fangio, though, I should mention. So he he's coaching in the Hall of Fame game despite not passing a kidney stone, which I've never had. Zach, have you had a kidney stone before? I Maybe have not. Maybe that's too personal. Um, so Fangio spent all Thursday in a Cleveland area hospital. Uh, he refused to not be present for you know what's technically his first game to call as a head coach, and so he left the hospital having not passed his kidney stone. And I'm watching him right now. He's on the sidelines, and he's just like, I don't know. He's not like wincing or anything, but that's got to be the worst, right? I would say so. A little uncomfortable. Yeah, that's football guy stuff, though. Like, you're in the hospital. They don't want you to leave, and you're like, the show must go on, kidney stone or no kidney stone. Um, pretty funny. So we'll move on from that game. Not a big deal, but it does mean it's the beginning of the preseason, which can excite some people. Um, Today, Zach, we're going to do a uh, – or tonight we're going to do a our preview continues of the divisions, and we're going to do the NFC South. And so to kick that off, uh, it was announced on Wednesday that the Saints have made receiver Michael Thomas the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL history. He got a five-year deal, $100 million, with $61 million in guarantees. Um, I, I think this is only his third year in the league. So technically he had two more seasons that he could have played on his rookie deal. And he goes ahead and does the extension. Now, Zach, were you surprised to see Michael Thomas uh, get this huge deal? No, not really. It just seems like that's uh, becoming the common theme for the off season for these guys with contracts. So it's like they kind of demand it and it happens for the most part, unless you're Le'Veon Bell. I mean, who who would you say outside of Michael Thomas, who's the best receiver Drew Brees has had in his time in New Orleans? What was that one guy's name? Was it uh, Marcus Colson? Colson, yeah, yeah, and Colson. That's about it. And he came out of nowhere, right? And he's not even on the same level as Michael Thomas. Right, Michael Thomas yeah. is so much better. So uh, it's just like a cheat code for Drew Brees. This is, um, you know, he locks him up. I don't I mean I've heard rumors that Drew Brees is going to try and play past forty-five. Uh, and so with this contract in place for five years, they would be paired together for the next five. And that would put Drew Brees at like 46, I think. Um, so this is, this is something that has long-term implications for sure. Yep. Uh, and then another receiver in the same division, this is the Atlanta Falcons. Their GM, Thomas Dimitrov, said that the Falcons are prepared to make Julio Jones the highest paid wide receiver. And, of course, this comes you know, the day after – uh, you know, another receiver in the division gets paid and becomes the highest paid. So here's Dimitrov's quote. He says, we know what Julio is in this league. We believe that he should be the highest paid player. And then he said, sorry, wait, I didn't say player. I meant the highest paid receiver in the league. Uh, so it, it's, you know, it's kind of oddly transparent for a GM to kind of call a shot and talk about a player they want to make the highest paid player because it's kind of a win-win for for the GM because – you know, even if they don't plan on on paying him, he's put it out there already before the season. Uh, so Julio Jones, he's 30 years old. He made his sixth Pro Bowl in 2018 and has over 10,000 receiving yards, 51 touchdowns, and just under 700 catches in eight seasons. Zach, is he in the top three receivers in your opinion? Yeah, I'd say so. I'm sure that uh, Michael Thomas or Julio sent Michael Thomas a, a text and said thanks. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, Julio's up there. Yeah, we'll talk later during the divisional preview about the receiver core. But, I mean, Julio has what Michael Thomas doesn't have, and that's a, another really great 
receiver in Calvin Ridley. So, you know, people thought that with Calvin Ridley joining the Falcons, that would take away a lot of what Julio Jones has to, to offer. And that's not the case at all, man. He was just as elite last year as he's always been. So. Uh, the next one here, Zach, I thought you'd get a kick out of this because I feel like H&F had Le'Veon for at least two or three seasons during that that run with the Steelers. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell apologized on Twitter to, to fantasy players during 2018, and he pled for them to uh, to draft him first overall in 2019. So his tweet says, this is long overdue, but I want to take a moment to apologize to all the fantasy owners who picked me last year, Bell wrote on Monday. I'm sorry I couldn't pull through for y'all, but trust me, this year is going to be way different. I'm bringing the championship trophies this year. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't really believe a word that comes out of Le'Veon Bell's mouth except yeah. for I'm, I'm going to hold out for the whole season. He did say that and kept his word. Um, but he was interviewed in his locker room earlier this week about that tweet. And he said, I don't regret sitting out last year, but I wish I could have told fantasy owners some type of way that I'm not playing this year. So they wouldn't have picked me. <laughs> Has that ever happened before in the history of fantasy football? Mm, I don't <laughs> think so. I think it's uh, obvious that it's going to be different this year. Uh, way different. I mean, he's going to score points, but yeah, I don't know if uh, anybody needs to believe him. Such a big portion of his success, too, is the Steelers' offensive line and Mike Munchak, that offensive line coach. He goes to the Jets now, Le'Veon, and that offensive line is nowhere near what the Steelers had for all those years with the Killer Bees. Uh, I mean, Ryan Khalil came out of retirement today and signed with the Jets, the center. I saw that, but man, that's not enough for, for Le'Veon to have the kind of success he had in Pittsburgh. But who knows? I could be wrong. Um he, he said at the end of this quote, too, he said, a lot of people feel like they wasted their money, so I'm sorry again. I just thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Last year, though, the culprit in our league, not culprit, but the, the victim in our league were the Almond Brothers, who they took him second overall, or was it first overall? I can't even remember. Did they? No, they, it, was, it was the trade with Rish. Remember oh, the draft yeah, night yeah, trade? Yeah, that cra- yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I still don't understand. Yeah, me either. Yeah, we don't have to get into it. I just don't understand how or why that happened. But, uh, yeah, we'll move on. So, last bit of news here, and this is one where it's kind of one of those you hate to see it type deals. But um, Andrew Luck was sidelined uh, from training camp with a calf injury earlier this week. And as of Tuesday from this week, so two days ago, Luck was only supposed to miss a week in a preseason game, but he still hasn't returned to the field and the thing that makes me nervous, Zach, is, and I know you're an NBA guy, Colts themselves have compared this to Kevin Durant's calf injury. Oh, goodness. Apparently, it appears to be, you know, similar to Lux. And so that has the Colts taking extra precautions. I mean, nice. I wonder how serious it could be. I mean, uh, let me ask you. So the Colts, they are one of the most hyped teams in the NFL right now, aside from the Cleveland Browns. And so without Andrew Luck, like if you were to miss any time at all, if Jacoby Brissett started the season, oh, man. would the Colts finish last in the AFC South? Uh, they very, very well may. Yeah. So, I, again, I haven't heard anything about how serious it is or if he's going to miss any extended time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like Andrew Luck had a pretty clean, healthy season last year. Obviously, they made it to the second round of the playoffs. But, uh, man, you would hate for his season to end before it starts. You hate to see it. 
we'll move on from our trip around the league and do our divisional preview, making our way around the divisions in the NFL. We did the NFC North last week, Zach, or really three, four days ago during our last podcast. And now let's do the NFC South. It's doing the same thing we always do. We're going to rank the quarterback rooms, rank the receiving, the running back committees, excuse me, and then the receiving core. Zach, where do you have the quarterbacks ranked between the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Buccaneers? The quarterbacks. And again, this is this is for fantasy, so not like who you think is the best quarterback, but who is going to have – like I guess this is more of a projection of which of these quarterbacks in this division will have the best seasons um, yeah, based I'm, on your opinion. I think all these guys are good, you know. So um, I guess Breeze, Ryan – I don't know Newton and then Winston because then, Winston, yep. you know he can just go off the rails. That's my exact ranking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's kind of the the tough decisions at the top, the Breeze and Ryan, because they're both for fantasy numbers at least. It's almost like they're interchangeable. Like Drew Breeze will have these massive games of like fifty points or forty points, but Matt Ryan is pretty steady around thirty to thirty five every week. Yeah. Um, so for Drew Breeze. You know, the Saints offense still runs on Breeze. Like, Mark Ingram's gone now, um, which only means the Saints are going to lean even heavier on throws to, like, Michael Thomas and to Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. And so, Drew Breeze, he's, he's like Tom Brady and he's like Aaron Rodgers. I'll believe Drew Breeze and the Saints offense is going to slow down when it starts to, but I haven't seen it yet and I don't expect it to anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so, I like Breeze a lot still. Matt Ryan's a close second. Um, he's a sneaky underrated quarterback in this league. I don't know why people don't give Matt Ryan the credit he deserves, but he's sneaky underrated. He's always in the top five to eight fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, I saw a tweet today from Field Yates at ESPN too. He had a ranking of the longest active streak of 4,000 or more passing yards in a season. Tom Brady and Big Ben have two in a row. Kirk Cousins has four. Phillip Rivers has six. And Matt Ryan leads the pack with eight seasons in a row of 4,000 or more passing yards. Wow. Um, so Matt Ryan, sneaky good. And I shouldn't say sneaky good. I mean, he won the MVP three years ago. But his entire arsenal from 2018, with the exception of Kevin Coleman, is returning. So I just – I don't see any drop-off from Matt Ryan. I think he's going to have another good year. Nice. Uh, Cam Newton, I had him third on this list. His shoulder injury last year really should have raised some red flags before the season and moved him down some draft boards, but it really didn't. You know, he was still taking around his ADP and obviously disappointed with his injuries. Uh, but according to Carolina media, Cam has looked healthy and improved at training camp. He's slimmed down a little bit. And, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to run like he has in, a, in the past, take off, but he's never going to abandon that part of his game altogether. That's just – it's embedded in him. That's what he does. Um, you know, he has really just an okay receiving core this year. But, you know, similar to New Orleans, Carolina, they're going to heavily employ their running backs as pass catchers. So that's going to help Cam's value, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what's your, what's your take on Jameis? Like, we both had him ranked last. Um, is it just inconsistency and, you know, partly through the fact that the Buccaneers didn't give him an extension on his contract? They're letting him play out his last year. It was just so crazy. I mean, we experienced it. We had uh, you. You had Fitzpatrick. Uh, right. We had Winston at one point. Maybe we had. Fit, I can't remember. But I mean, I feel like we've both experienced the highs and lows of the Bucks uh, quarterback situation. And you know, 
Winston can be good, but man, he when he's bad, he is really bad. Oh yeah, really bad. Yeah, he's a turnover machine. I mean, fumbles and interceptions, and he's just – it's been in his nature since he was drafted. Yeah. Uh, and that offense is nowhere even close to where it was last year. Like, Fitz, Fitzpatrick last year really did them a disservice because he won games that they shouldn't have won, hurt their draft position. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't like the Bucks at all this year. So, for me, you know, Jameis, easily the last-ranked quarterback in this division, not even a hard choice for me. Um, he's had a really bad offseason so far in relation to like Tampa Bay's transactions. So he loses Deshaun Jackson and his favorite target, not named Mike Evans and Adam Humphreys. That was during free agency. And then he, you know, has all this added pressure, like I mentioned, of being in a contract year. Uh, new head coach Bruce Arians really, I mean, he could make his first season as the Bucks head coach, you know, a profitable passing offense like he's done in the past. Uh, for Jameis, but I just don't see it happening this year. Yeah. And Blaine Gabbard is actually the backup quarterback now for the Bucks, And so I'm not saying that he's not going to play this season, Blaine Gabbard, but I'm also not saying he's not going to play. I don't know. I, I don't trust Jameis at all. And that's not a bias, you know, with Mariota type thing, but I just don't, I don't see it. Yeah. All right, Zach, let's rank the running back committees. Um, where, where would you have these, these four teams uh, to me, it's pretty obvious there are two teams ahead of the other two that are kind of neck and neck at the top. Where would you rank these teams? Yeah, obviously you got the uh, the Panthers and the Saints right there, right you know, neck and neck. Um, after that, I'd give it to the Falcons and then the Bucks, easily dead last. Okay, that's ex- again exact same rankings yeah. I have and you have. So where did you have um, New Orleans and Carolina? How would you rank those two? And one A, one B. Yeah, I mean, both, I mean, both yeah. those guys are studs. So um, I don't know which one's better than the other. They both were great last year. So yeah, yeah. One A and one B is the exact note I have written here. So yeah. New, Orleans, New Orleans, I picked them, and I, I think I think Alvin Kamara deserves to be ranked higher than Christian McCaffrey. And I'll say because the Saints, they arguably have a top five offensive line. They proved that last year, really good. Mark Ingram is now in Baltimore, like I mentioned. So it's really, it's just Kamara and, you know, he's just as much of a big play guy as, as McCaffrey. But like you said, it's one, a one B like Kamara though, Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, he's not splitting time with anyone and he should be in that 20 to 25 touches a game projection. Um, he was drafted late in the first round in CMB last year. I think Jake took him at like 13 or maybe 12, uh, and I just I think he has a serious likelihood of going in the top five in our draft this year. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, Atlanta here. So everyone's favorite running back committee from like 2016 and 2017 is now broken up. So it's just Devontae Freeman and Atlanta now if he's healthy. Uh, Edo Smith replaces Evan Coleman as the number two. Uh, you know, Edo Smith looked good in relief of uh, Devontae Freeman when he was you – know, I think he had an injured quad most of the season. Um, so Edo Smith looked good, but in the last two seasons, Atlanta really is, they've kind of migrated into a pass heavy offense. Um, you know, they threw the ball a lot when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, but since he left in 2017, they've really even started throwing the ball even more. So uh, I, I like Atlanta's two backs, but I mean, you're not going to put them above Kamara or, or McCaffrey. Yeah. And then Tampa Bay, just like the quarterback position, man, they're easily the worst running back committee in the NFC South. Peyton Barber is still getting started snapped 
over the uh, the Bucks second round pick from last year, Ronald Jones. Um, I don't know if that name triggers you and Brian, but didn't you guys draft him, Ronald Jones? Um, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we might have. I feel like we talked about him a little yeah. bit last year because he was just such a bust in yeah, the season. Yeah, I kind of think we did, and then we dropped him. It's just it's so tough right now to project how Bruce Arians is going to deploy this new offense. You know, given his history with the Cardinals as their head coach, and then with uh, you know Indianapolis and Pittsburgh as their offensive coordinators, so you try and project and forecast what Arians' offense is going to look like. But I think it's safe to say the Bucks they don't really have a David Johnson in that running back room uh, like Arians has had in the past, and I just they're they're terrible. So uh, I don't like the Bucks at all this year. I think I mentioned that already, but. Um, Zach, and then the last last one here, let's rank the receiving core. Where would you rank these four teams in terms of their receivers and their tight ends? I think you got to give number one to the Falcons. Um, then number two, man, it's close between the Saints and Bucks. Right. We do 2A, two 2B. Two, two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then the, the Panthers last, for sure, out of all of that. Um, I'd probably give the edge to the the Bucks. Wow. Given their tight end position. Wow. Yeah. We're so three for three. We had quarterbacks, running backs, and receiving core. All three of our lists were the exact same ranking. Wow. So how do you I, feel about joining H and F? I yeah, it's what it sounds like, man. We'd be a a, <laughs> a powerhouse. So um for Atlanta, I think you could make the case Julio Jones deserves to be the first receiver taken off the board and pretty much every fantasy draft this season. You know, like I mentioned earlier, his production hasn't slipped one bit, even when Calvin Ridley joined the mix. And it's only made Julio stronger, in my opinion, drafting Calvin Ridley first in the first round last year. Um, Remember last year he went through that long streak of no touchdowns? Julio Jones? Yeah, Julio. Right. And But his his receiving yards and his receptions are ridiculous. Yeah, he's just a stud. Yeah, so I, you know, I still like Julio's, to me, I think he should be taken first he should be the first receiver taken off the board. You know, you could make the case for OBJ, but he's, uh, you know, sharing time with, with Jarvis Landry. And I don't really trust Derek Carr or a John Gruden passing offense with AB. So Julio might be the best fantasy receiver right now in the game. Um, Ridley, Calvin Ridley last year, his, you mentioned Julio Jones losing, you know, his touchdown rate going down. Calvin Ridley's, touchdown rate as a rookie was ridiculous I mean it was like every week he was putting up two touchdowns uh so he's another big weapon for Matt Ryan and then Muhammad Sanu is still around Austin Hooper is a pretty good tight end so I like I like Atlanta like the best receiver core in that division um just like UI Tampa Bay number two the receiving core for Tampa Bay that's really like the lone uh bright spot on that offense wouldn't you agree oh yeah yeah, I mean, Mike Evans, he's not quite as elite as he was before he got paid a couple of years ago and got that contract extension, but he's still a top 10 receiver in the league. And Chris Godwin, who's I think this is his third season out of Penn State, he is everyone's breakout receiver candidate um, in the fantasy world heading into 2019. Um, before O.J. Howard's season ended last year on IR, he was flashing as a top 10 tight end. Uh, and, you know, him and Cameron Brait still among the best tight end duos in the league. So I actually kind of like Tampa Bay's receiver core. You might, you know, I'm not saying you rank it above Atlanta, but I have it above uh, New Orleans. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of New Orleans, you know, we talked about Michael Thomas a lot, but outside of him, man, it's just a bunch of dudes down in the Big Easy. Uh, Ted Ginn is still sort of fast, but he's old, and he's not really someone you want as your number two receiver. Uh, Traquan Smith, I mean, it sounds like the names I'm about to mention, it sounds like the uh, Green Bay Packers receiver core. Traquan Smith, uh, he teased for parts of last season. He looked okay. Uh, but him and Keith Kirkwood and Austin Carr, they're not really names that anyone's going to care about until their receiver depth gets low and they need to go to the waiver wire. So, yeah, I, I, if Michael Thomas goes down, it's, it's going to be tough for the, yes. uh, for the Saints. Yep. All right, and then Carolina, lastly here, it's, you know, a bunch of just dudes. I mean, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, they're young guys who they've shown some potential early in their careers, but neither of them really have warranted a high or even a mid-round draft pick. So, I, you know, I wouldn't expect them to go very high off anyone's boards. Uh, Torrey Smith, he, he joins the, the Panthers. He can make plays, but not really on a consistent basis anymore. And then Greg Olson, man, ever since he came back from injury and came back from his EV career, he's just been over the hill. I mean, it's they talk about Delaney Walker being someone who kind of ages like, like fine wine or cheese or whatever, but I, I think Greg Olson's done the opposite. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I don't, I don't really like Carolina's receiver core at all. And if Cam Newton's going to have a successful season, you know, it's going to depend on some of these, like, dudes we mentioned, you know, picking up some, some pace and, and developing quickly. Yeah. Um, so, Zach, let's uh, real quickly here join in our league in CMB and recap our pre-draft meeting from Monday night. Uh, this is – I think it was the second year we've done – or maybe the third year we've tried to do the uh, – remote meeting and I think it went pretty well I mean we had some hiccups at the beginning but uh outside of one idiot um not going on mute and cooking dinner with pots and pans i.e me it went pretty well <laughs> yeah we were like it sounds like somebody's clanging pans over there who who is on the whatever phone you yeah. have I, I didn't even like know what was going on until Brian like yelled at me. He was like, whoever has the pixel three, you know, go on mute. No, the meeting went well. I mean, it, was, it felt quick. Was it just me? No, it was quick. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have much to go over. Um, it's just uh, kind of bring everybody together and uh, decide on that draft order and kind of let everybody know it's getting close. But the good news is, is everyone in the league showed up to the meeting, right? Everybody except for two. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jordan Iwanison had a city council meeting, and Kevin uh, was a no-show. He was MIA for a little while, but he texted me later and said that the uh, son had got to his cell phone. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but it's happened to me. My iPhone, if it gets in direct sun, it will just completely shut off until it reaches a certain temperature. And that's what happened. Really? That's what he said, yeah. So. Interesting. So I, I, I definitely like Jordan Iwanazan's excuse a little better. It seems a little bit more legit. Like you can prove Jordan is on city council in Cookville yeah. and he was attended that meeting. There's probably some Herald Citizen photo of him in it. Yeah. And if not, I'm sure Zach will doctor and make a fake Herald Citizen photo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Kevin's thing, I've never had that happen to me, but you just, you verified it. Yeah, it's happened to me, so. What's funny is when I think about phones getting ruined by the sun, it's weird. I actually think about your mom because I remember she was telling me that because your your mom used to do this thing where she would post photos of like directly into the sun. Do you remember this? I don't know. Yeah. 
I talked to her about it one time at church and she, she came up to me and I, I was complimenting her photos. I was like, you know, your pictures are pretty cool on Instagram. You got like pictures of the sun and flowers and stuff. And she was like, well, I gotta, I gotta stop doing it. Cause my, my lens is green on my phone. Cause she was taking pictures directly into the sun. Oh gosh. Oh, that makes me, that made me laugh so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the two no shows and uh, Zach, we officially, you know, the major order of business at these things is the draft order. So if you don't mind, and I know you've already posted on Facebook, but what is uh, one through 14? What is our draft order? Number one, Suggs and John Nichols, two. It's me and Brian, three, Collins and Courtney Norton, four, Jay and Jacob, five, Pace, six, Risher, seven, Chase, eight, Jordan Awanazan, nine, James and Blake, 10, Jake, 11, Greg, 12, Kevin, 13, Ross and Reed, and 14, Rob and Jeff. Yeah, I feel like Rob and Jeff at 14, I, I saw that one coming right before they got the, the selection because uh, I don't know. I'm weird. I, I don't take too much stock in when I make my pick. Like, I think some people really, you know, put a lot of strategy into it. And to me, it's just kind of best available. Like I know Jay and Jacob in years past, they've had the option to take like two or three and they'll just say, hey, we're going to take, you know, five or six. And that's kind of like a head scratcher, but it worked out for these teams. What, um, do you and Brian ever have a certain strategy with that stuff? Oh yeah. And, uh, I mean, Jay and Jacob, there's the, you know, they got the top four, so they'll just take whoever falls. Um, right. And then Rob and Jeff or, or Jeff said, you know, that there was nobody that they really wanted that they could get. So they just figured they'd fall back. And when you're in that position back there in that back half, you know, like where Greg's at and Jake, you just kind of, need to know what position you want and then just take who falls to you. You know, you just have no idea at that point, but it's yeah. kind of tough to make really have a strategy um, outside of those first few picks where you can kind of guess at who will be there. Otherwise it's just, you just got to wait and see. Yeah. And I, to me, I've, I've had that spot a lot where I've had, like, I feel like every year I either have like number one or I have 14. Like I've, I've picked at the very front or I've picked at the very back and like last season I had 13 so I, I just I wanted to kind of mix things up I was glad I got number five that was kind of the best spot that fell to me so yeah I like uh, that spot that's not bad we'll see I um you know I, I, to me like I don't know how much how much prep work have you and Brian already done if you don't mind talking about it not much at all the probably the lowest that we've we've ever come into a season with you guys hearing that so H&F is not prepared I wouldn't say we're not prepared just you know a we're a little bit behind a board has not been created. A board has not been created. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, we, I think it would be funny. You know how, like, Peter King does articles sometimes where, like, Jerry Jones will let him in the draft room? I would love if we had, like, a mole just, like, sit in the draft room with you and Brian and kind of, like, you know, take notes and write a story about it. I think it'd be funny. Hmm. Um, so, last word of business here, too, is – the uh, we there were some proposals during the pre-draft meeting both of those amazingly went it was a true 50 50 split was it not yeah it was on both of them we voted on uh, jake's proposal of changing the basically giving the first or giving a buy for the first round for the top two teams i guess mm -hmm. um and then the other one i was wanting to do the leak pick them to decide the draft order selection process instead of the pulling names out of a hat but 
neither one of them passed, so nothing changed. Yeah, and the playoff thing is interesting because I don't, you know, I, I liked I Obviously, I voted yes for it, and I, I wouldn't have minded that change. I would have kind of been interested to see that happen. But I don't think it adds any extra incentive to try and finish first and second. Because it, honestly, the way it goes is at the end of the season, that's kind of how it falls. I mean, I think you brought up the proposal would have included highest points for, and that would have made things interesting, not just on record. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe, you know, something we could bring back up in the future, but – uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot more to giving teams a buy, uh, right? Because fantasy football is nothing but luck, and I don't want to make the number one team that might have lucked into, you know, first place based off of a record. I feel like the best team is probably the one with the most points. So I don't know. Sure. You, yeah. could, you could go a lot of different ways. So uh, so you're oh so you're saying like the you wouldn't like the the points thing is not as unfair like if you did total points that's not as unfair as going on record in my opinion if we were going to do a buy i think that it should be the total leader because i mean anything can happen any week with a record and you know you see it every year there's teams with total points that are you know fifth or sixth place but they're just a great team right Uh, but they just had bad luck it's all luck fantasy football is nothing but you know you can hope that you know the right players to pick but it's all luck so um so yeah, that's I was just saying that if we did do that, then we should discuss further possibly um, doing like a reseeding process for the tournament. You know, so that's when it would get a little messy, probably. I don't know, but anyway, I like that idea. Pass. Yeah, well, you know, and I just thought of a league proposal I should have brought up during the meeting, and that is for us to not waste any of the we can't call it taxpayer dollars, but any of the the funding for the pre-draft or for the draft. The, uh, the food, we shouldn't waste any more money on Slim Jims because I know for a fact the last three drafts, Rish has not eaten a single Slim Jim. You know, I think last year we bought him just a, a Slim Jim. That was it. Good. Yeah, so usually that's what I do. It's just kind of like just throwing him a bone, you know, just give Rish the Slim Jim and, and we move on down the Walmart aisle. So we just pick up one. It's a serious business. Like, you know, this, this, we can't have too many gimmicks, you know, in this league. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, I forgot to ask you at the beginning how your week was going because you and I had texted earlier about how you were probably going to see my dad at Walmart. Did that happen at all this week? I have not seen TP at Walmart. Um, I think I've been there a couple times maybe this week, maybe once, but did not see TP. So, Oh, boy. Uh, hope he's okay. I need to put out a red, a red alert on him or something. That's not good. That means he's been staying at home. Um, lastly, Zach, before we do our tweet of the week, announcements for CMB, Matt asked, Matt Suggs asked, uh, he requested anyone that is going to make a team name change. If there's anyone that wants to do that. Now is the time to make it. I'm assuming if someone was changing their name, they would have already done it by now, but who knows? Maybe you want to try something new, do it now and, uh, yeah. make your logo. Yeah. I know there's a, maybe a team or two out there that's considering a name change. So uh, it's a delicate process, I understand. So, but uh, yeah, go ahead and get that into Sug so he can start working on um, all the logos. I know that takes him a lot of time, and it's always fun to see what he comes up with. You know, what's nice is we no longer. I think we've had this in the past. I've been in leagues before that's had this, but like I think there used to be a person in the league who changed their name every week, and that makes things kind of annoying just for especially for podcast purposes. You imagine having to like change someone's name each week. Oh, I like, I like that we've got some established names for the season. Yeah. Makes uh, 
yeah, for sure. So last draft reminder here for the episode, we are 28 days from tomorrow, technically on Friday. So 28 wow. days from the draft. We are in, um, we're still in double digits, obviously, but we are in the month that the draft is taking place. So this is the first weekend of August. The last weekend of August is going to be the draft coming yeah. up in four weeks. I believe we'll start at 6.30. We'll start food at 6.30. And uh, as soon as everybody can get there after that, we will start the draft. All right, Zach, do you have a tweet of the week? Tweet of the week. My only tweet of the week are all the tweets that I favorited of the Braves making trades at the trade deadline. That's oh, all. Yeah. I, We've got some huge um, relief pitchers that we needed. So I was just so excited about that. So uh, go Braves. I wasn't tracking any of it. I saw Zach Grinky get traded. And yeah, dude, the, the Astros, top three. Yeah. Yeah, Verlander, Grinky, and uh, I can't remember the other guy, but they're all, like, just really, really good. So the Astros look uh, very good uh, pitcher-wise. I've been so out on baseball for the last, like, I don't know, probably 10 years. Like, I think the last baseball game I went to, I was probably in teen side, you know, in, like, ninth or 10th grade. Uh, it's just hard for me to like keep like I'm not as invested in the Braves as I used to be and certainly not as much as you are and it's like if you don't live there for me it's hard like I've, I've been so attached to the Titans and Preds because I've yeah. been kind of in the thick of it but yeah I don't know I saw I saw the Zach Grinky trade though and it brought back flashes of I did fantasy baseball one year and I think it was in a, in a league with you and maybe some other people from like college side back in the day yeah and I had I, I didn't know anything about the MLB at the time I knew the Braves because I'd watch their games but I drafted some random like rookie or first year player pitcher named Zach Grinky and randomly one night when I started him he had a no hitter and oh, wow. I think he was playing for that's a lot of points <laughs> oh yeah do you still play fantasy baseball no that's probably the last time I played you know it's, it's, it's so I much. love it but it's a lot of work yeah it is it's a lot so uh, I just thought that was funny. Um, my tweet of the week, this was a quoted tweet. So ESPN, a couple of days ago, they tweeted some random graphic, and it said, which of these NFL players is going to have the best bounce-back season? And the, the players they show here, players ready for redemption, Jarvis Landry, Joey Bosa, Cam Newton, Josh Rosen, and Antonio Brown. And Eric underscore Edholm retweeted that and said, yeah, no clue how Antonio Brown is going to bounce back from 1,297 yards and 15 touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, he off, off the field, he was kind of a, uh, a headache in Pittsburgh last year, but A.B. had one of his best seasons ever last year. Let's not yeah, get it twisted. he's got a lot of drama around him. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're, if you're producing, like, Odell Beckham Jr., if you're healthy and you're producing, who cares, man? Like, I'm talking about for fantasy purposes, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Um, so Zach, we, uh, we did our, our NFC South preview of the, of the season and ranked all those position groups, talked about our pre-draft meeting a little bit and, uh, football is officially back and we know it's back as the hall of fame game. It's tonight. We have an update on that game, by the way. No, I switched it back over to the Braves and they're, uh, in a rain delay. Let me it pull is, back. It is still 10 to seven Falcons. Oh, it is, uh, we're almost at the two minute warning. It's getting heavy. Whew. Man, I don't know if I can sleep. All right, um, guys, episode 113 in the books. We will probably do another one a week from tonight, right, Zach? Maybe. Hopefully, yeah. All right, uh, 
talk to you guys soon and uh, we will see you for 114.